Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah is one of the major prophets in the Bible. He's called a major prophet because he wrote a large book of prophecy, and the major prophets each wrote a large book of prophecy. Jeremiah wrote two books. In the next five books, we will be reading from all of the major prophets, which are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. There are prophets throughout the entire Bible, including Moses, Noah, King David, Samuel, and many others that we have already read about. But the five major prophets actually have their own books of prophecy. In each of those books, we're going to be reading about Jesus. So this is going to be very exciting, especially in the books of Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. There will be a lot of prophecies about Jesus. Isaiah was mentioned in the Old Testament already. We read about him in the books of Kings and Chronicles. He served under four different kings of Israel. The last king that he served under was Hezekiah, and Hezekiah was a righteous king. He made a couple of mistakes, but overall he did love the Lord. The first four kings that Isaiah served under were evil Israelite kings. They all practiced paganism. So Isaiah had a lot to say about repentance. And every real prophet preaches repentance. The prophets that are on the internet today, the vast majority of them are frauds. Because all they tell people is good words. They never tell people to repent. They never warn people that hell is coming. They only ask people for money and tell them that God is going to bless them. And that is not genuine prophecy. That's fortune telling. In this book, we're going to read a lot about the need to repent of our sins. Isaiah was the one who came to Hezekiah and told Hezekiah that he was going to die. And then Hezekiah begged the Lord to let him live longer. And that was when there was the miracle of the sun turning back a few hours to prove to Hezekiah that the Lord had answered his prayer. And the sun did move backwards in the sky. It went higher up in the sky so that the day lasted longer. Isaiah was heavily quoted by Jesus in the New Testament because Isaiah spoke so much about repentance and he also prophesied Jesus Christ who was to come. This is an exciting book because Isaiah actually saw visions of Jesus on the cross, and we will read about that in this book. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of traditional Jewish people do not read the book of Isaiah, because it clearly points to Jesus Christ as being their Messiah. So a lot of them won't read Isaiah, and they don't want to talk about it. Verse 1. The visions of Isaiah, son of Amos, that he hath seen concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. He served under four kings, and Hezekiah was the last king that he served under. And these are his prophecies concerning the future of Israel because of its sin. Now these prophecies apply to Christians who sin as well. When we practice a willful, sinful lifestyle, we have lost our salvation. The Bible teaches that, although many preachers refuse to teach that. 
Two, hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For Jehovah hath spoken, sons I have nourished and brought up, and they, they transgressed against me. The Lord took care of Israel as a precious son, yet Israel rebelled against him time after time in worshipping false idols and practicing paganism. And during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, and Ahaz, paganism was running wild all over Israel. 3. An ox hath known its owner, and an ass the crib of its master. Israel hath not known, my people hath not understood. God is saying that the Israelites are more ignorant than animals. He says, even the ox knows who takes care of him, and the donkey knows who puts straw in the manger for it to eat. But you don't know me. Ah, sinning nation, a people heavy with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, sons, corruptors, they have forsaken Jehovah, they have despised the Holy One of Israel, they have gone away backward. The Holy One is Jesus Christ. He's referred to as the Holy One both in the Old and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, they knew that God has a Son. We read that in the book of Psalm, that they understood that the Lord has a Son. And they had euphemisms for the name of the Son. One of them was the right hand of God. Another euphemism was the Holy One, or the Anointed One, or the Righteous One. So here Jesus is being referenced. But they didn't know his name in the Old Testament. So that's why they called him the right hand of God or the Holy One or the Anointed One. Iniquity means sin. So this verse is confronting Israel for its sins and its evil deeds and the fact that they have turned their backs on the Lord. 5. Wherefore are ye stricken any more? Ye do add apostasy. Every head is become diseased, and every heart is sick. Apostasy is when the children of God willfully practice sin, and they still believe that they're going to heaven, in spite of their willfulness to practice sin. There are many apostates today. Israel was also apostate in the past because they thought, We're Israelites. We have our free ticket to heaven. But the Lord always tells his people to repent. He tells the entire world that they must repent of their sins. Simply being born an Israelite doesn't guarantee that you're saved, nor does going to church and coming from a Christian family guarantee that you're saved. Today there are many apostates in the church who willfully practice sin, but they believe they're saved because they show up for church on Sunday, and they don't think they have to do anything else. That's the definition of apostasy. And that's what Isaiah is calling Israel in this verse. 6. From the sole of the foot unto the head there is no soundness in it, wound and bruise and fresh smiting. They have not been closed nor bound, nor have they softened with ointment. He's using a metaphor, telling them that they're beat up and bloody, and nobody has dressed their wounds. This is what happens to us when we willfully live in sin. We get beat up and bloodied by the demons in our lives. We have all kinds of baggage, all kinds of problems that never heal and never get cleansed and taken care of because we continue to go back into sin. As our lives progress, our situations just get worse and worse. First, it's a fight with a boyfriend that you're living with. Then it becomes drug use. 
then it becomes problems with the law, and it just avalanches. And that's what Isaiah is talking about. Wounds from their sin are never getting healed. They just keep sinning more and more. In modern English, we can call this dysfunction or addiction, but that's what Isaiah is talking about. 7. Your land is a desolation. Your cities burnt with fire. Your ground before you, strangers are consuming it, and a desolation as overthrown by strangers. Throughout all of the history of the kings of Israel, every time that Israel practiced paganism, the Lord allowed pagan armies to come in and take over their towns and cities. And then every time they repented, the Lord allowed the Israelites to drive the pagans out and take the cities over again. And we had already read about that in the Old Testament, where cities were taken by Israel, then taken again by the pagans, and then the same cities taken again by Israel, back and forth. Through the first three kings that he served, he's saying, look, pagans have taken over all of your cities because of your sin. 8. And left hath been the daughter of Zion, as a booth in a vineyard, as a lodge in a place of cucumbers, as a city besieged. Isaiah is saying, you guys are besieged, you're surrounded by pagans, and your access to the land is limited. A booth in a vineyard is the same thing as a tent. It's not a permanent dwelling. So Isaiah is saying, you guys are forced to live in tents, and these pagans have taken your homes which was literally true in most of Isaiah's time. The pagans wouldn't have taken every single city, but of course they would take the best cities. There were always cities the Israelites were living in, but a lot of times the best cities were taken over by the pagans when the Israelites sinned. And that was the Lord's way of saying, if you want to practice paganism, then I'll let the pagans rule over you. But if you want to repent and obey me, then I will rule over you, and you will be blessed. 9. Unless Jehovah of hosts had left to us a remnant shortly, as Sodom we had been, to Gomorrah we had been like. Isaiah here is referencing the story about when the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because there wasn't even ten righteous people there. And Isaiah is saying that it's only because there's a tiny percentage of righteous people in Israel that the Lord didn't wipe out Israel completely with fire and brimstone the same way that he did Sodom and Gomorrah. 10. Hear the word of Jehovah, ye rulers of Sodom, give ear to the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed long before, but he's metaphorically calling them the rulers of Sodom and Gomorrah, saying that they deserve destruction. 11. Why to me the abundance of your sacrifices, saith Jehovah? I have been satiated with burnt offerings of rams, and fat of fatlings, and blood of bullocks, and lambs, and he goats, I have not desired. Isaiah says that the Lord is telling them that he doesn't even want their sacrifices. They continue to sin willfully and gleefully, and yet they think that they're going to get forgiven because they brought a sacrifice. There's a lot of Christians who are the same way today. They're apostate. 
They love their sin. They love sleeping with their boyfriend or girlfriend and watching rated R movies and cussing and swearing and telling lies to their employer. But they think that by putting money in the offering plate that the Lord is going to forgive them or by saying a simple casual prayer, Oh Jesus, forgive me, that it's all covered. The Lord thinks the same way about our prayers and our sacrifice when we refuse to give up our sin. 12. When ye come in to appear before me, who hath required this of your hand to trample my courts? He says, you're trampling my temple. In other words, the Lord is comparing these people to a herd of animals, saying, I didn't ask you to come here. He doesn't want to see them, and he doesn't want to receive their sacrifice, because they're hypocrites. They're liars. They're just practicing religion and going through the motions, thinking that God is that stupid and that he's pleased with them, and he is not. Today we need to remember the same thing. God is not stupid. We should stop treating him as if he is. If we need to repent, then we should repent, because he is holy and just, and judgment day is coming. And he isn't fooled by our religiosity and our rituals. 13. Add not to bring in a vain present incense and abomination it is to me, new moon and Sabbath, calling of convocation, render not iniquity and a restraint. He says, I can't stand your incense that you burn that's supposed to resemble your prayers, and I can't stand you practicing the festivals that I inaugurated in order to pretend that you belong to me. He's saying, you are hypocrites and fakes. Again, we need to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, are we fakes, or do we really follow Christ? 14. Your new moons and your set seasons hath my soul hated. They have been upon me for a burden. I have been weary of bearing. The Lord is saying, I can't stand watching you go through all the rituals. The Lord is the one who established all of these rituals, but he can't stand seeing fakes practice them. He wants real children who love him to practice these feasts. 15. And in your spreading forth your hands, I hide my eyes from you. Also, when ye increase prayer, I do not hear. Your hands of blood have been full. They did have hands of blood because paganism requires that you kill your children. So all of them had blood on their hands. And there's also a lot of sexual perversion in paganism. It requires that you rape animals, rape children, that you practice prostitution. And we do all those things in America today. We're practicing paganism, and the people practicing it don't even know that that's what they're doing. They don't even know that it's a religious practice to go to a prostitute. They're so ignorant that they don't know that it's a religious pagan practice to rape a child or an animal. And he says, you have blood on your hands. Israelites have always spread their hands to heaven when they pray. But he says, when you spread your hands up to heaven, I close my eyes so that I cannot even see you. That's how much he detests their hypocritic prayers. 16. Wash ye, make ye pure, turn aside the veil of your doings. From before mine eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good. Purifying yourself is when you repent of your sins, and sanctifying yourself is when you commit your entire life for Jesus and Jesus alone. 
You don't compartmentalize and say, I'm going to lie, cheat, and steal on Monday, but I'm going to go and praise Jesus on Sunday. Sanctification means that every single day of the week, you are following the Lord. Sanctify means you're only for one purpose. Yes, the Lord enables us in that, but we have to make a commitment to it. We have to make a choice that we're only going to follow him 24-7 every day of the year. And if we don't make that commitment, it's never going to happen. 17. Seek judgment. Make happy the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Strive for the widow. Judgment in the Bible is always about helping the weak, the helpless, and the oppressed. So if you see somebody who's hungry, you give them food. That's judgment. If you see somebody getting beat up, you rescue them. That's judgment. If you see somebody who needs a home, you take them in. That's what judgment is. But the Israelites weren't doing this. Whenever we see somebody hurting, we need to help them. The opposite of judgment is when we take advantage of weak people and we become their oppressors. 18. Come, I pray you, and we reason, saith Jehovah. If your sins are as scarlet as snow, they shall be white. If they are red as crimson, as wool they shall be. The Lord says, Come to me and confess your sins and repent, and then I will cleanse you and make you a pure person as if you had never sinned. 19. If ye are willing and have hearkened, the good of the land ye consume. 20. If ye refuse and have rebelled, by the sword ye are consumed, for the mouth of Jehovah hath spoken. Jesus said those who live by the sword will die by the sword. So if you live by violence, violence will overtake you. If you take advantage of people, if you're an opportunist, then you will get taken advantage of. And here the Lord is telling his people, If you refuse to repent and follow me, then you will be taken over by the same evil that you practice against others. They will practice it against you. 21. How hath a faithful city become a harlot? I have filled it with judgment. Righteousness lodgeth in it. Now murderers. The Lord says, At one time Jerusalem was a righteous city, and that was during the time of King David. But now it's full of murderers and prostitutes. Jerusalem itself has become a prostitute because they worship false gods. 22. Thy silver hath become dross, thy drink polluted with water. If you put water in wine, you're diluting it, and it has lost its strength and its value. So he's saying, you have lost your strength and your value. Everything precious that you had, like silver, is now corrupt. This is a metaphor. When he speaks of the silver and the wine, what he's really talking about are the character traits of the Lord that they have lost. 23. Thy princes are apostates and companions of thieves, everyone loving a bribe and pursuing rewards. The fatherless they have judged not, and the plea of the widow cometh not to them. That well describes a lot of megachurch pastors today and a lot of false prophets today. They want all the money from the widows and the poor, but they don't help anybody. Sometimes they have a fake outreach where, you know, maybe 200 families got a free meal. Meanwhile, they own a jet or a yacht, and they could have done way more than that. So they always throw out these little bones to make it look like they're sharing with the poor when they're really not. 
it's just a drop in the bucket of all of their wealth, and they keep taking and taking and taking. This is saying that the princes are apostates because they love their sin and they take from the people and they don't help anybody. 24. Therefore, the affirmation of the Lord, Jehovah of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, Ah, I am eased of mine adversaries, and I am avenged of mine enemies. 25. And I turn back my hand upon thee, and I refine as purity thy dross, and I turn aside all thy tin. 26. And I give back thy judges as at the first, and thy counselors as in the beginning. After this thou art called a city of righteousness, a faithful city. The Lord says that he himself is going to turn them around. He is going to refine them and make them pure again. But of course, if they love their sin, the only way he can refine them is by putting them through the fire against their will. That's describing the discipline of the Lord. Because he loves us, when we refuse to repent, he will put us through the fire. He will let us experience great punishment and torment for our sins until we repent, so that he can make us righteous again. Now the easier way is to repent willingly instead of going through that fire. 27. Zion in judgment is redeemed, and her captivity in righteousness. 28. And the destruction of transgressors and sinners is together, and those forsaking Jehovah are consumed. He says, those who can be refined will be refined, but those who refuse to repent will be destroyed. Judgment day is coming for everyone. We don't want to be destroyed on judgment day. We need to repent now while the Lord is calling us to do so. And if you're suffering greatly because of your sin, either through addiction or emotional or mental torment or legal problems or family problems, just realize that God loves you and he's allowing you to go through that so that you will be motivated to repent. Turn back to him immediately because he loves you and he wants to forgive you and restore your life. 29. For men are ashamed because of the oaks that ye have desired, and ye are confounded because of the gardens that ye have chosen. The pagans always worshipped trees, so watch out for anybody who worships trees a.k.a. hippies and witches also love trees. That comes from paganism. They would go up to the oak trees and they would practice perverted sex under these oak trees, and then they would light incense to their false gods. 30. For ye are as an oak whose leaf is fading, and as a garden that hath no water. He's saying, because you worship the oak tree, which is a creation and not the creator, I'm going to make you like a dead oak and a garden that is in drought. I'm going to make you like the thing that you worship, except that you will be destroyed. 31. And the strong hath been for tow, and his work for a spark, and burned have both of them together, and there is none quenching. The Lord is telling Israel that they're going to go up in flames, a fire that will never be quenched. And that is the fire of God if they do not repent. They will become as wood or straw turning into sparks in the fire. And that concludes Isaiah chapter 1.